0: Hello, Kristen Ray. Michael Steven. What's going on?
1: I never thought about... Yeah, I was going to say, I never thought about me having multiple first names, but I guess everybody's middle name is typically an interchangeable first name, too.
0: Not always.
1: Like, I guess, if they have something strange. Some people have... Like Mushroom Cap, Michael Mushroom.
0: Yeah, but some people have, like, their whatever mother's maiden name is their middle name or Mm. something.
1: Actually, it's funny you say that, because Ray is from Rayfuse, which is my mother's maiden name.
0: Yeah. There you go. There
1: you go. Good example.
0: (laughs) I've always got a good example.
1: Oh, Okay. Well, today's guest is a good example. Of what? You tell me.
0: Today's (laughs) guest is a good example of being yourself, following your gut, listening to the universe, to just being what you're supposed to be, and as she says in there, following the breadcrumbs. That's a, that's that's come up a lot in the conversation.
1: It It's funny how spirituality does come up fairly often in our podcast interviews, and maybe that's the network we run with, or our guests know that we're open to talking about that. But Carly really lives this life. But what I love about her, and we talk about this in the episode, is she has a really grounded balance, I find, of spirituality and practicality and science-based evidence. Like she really looks at it through the lens of what works for her, what has been evidence-based. And I admire that in her approach.
0: Yeah. Because sometimes if you're too much one way, it can kind of, I don't know, not feel, not feel right.
1: It's not accessible to everyone either to yeah. think about it in that way. And and where this is part of her profession is speaking about this, I think she's hit the sweet spot in being feeling like other people can relate to her approach and her life experience. And that's really one of her strengths, is that she's lived many lives.
0: Yeah, she's a very interesting person and talks a lot about her writing, or one of her books about grief, is kind of a, a thing we really dove into mm-hmm. there.
1: Pet grief in particular.
0: Yeah, yeah. mm mm-hmm and that's that's a a real thing that's something that a lot of people experience and everyone in life experiences grief at some point.
1: We talk about everything from loss to psychic mediums to psychedelics. Yeah. And some of the the offerings that she has with her work. I and I, again, I really admired and appreciated her openness to talk about her ketamine use and how much that has benefited her in a medical setting. Yeah. And, and that this is even an option in Nova Scotia was new to me.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm excited and curious to find out how her her next session that she was going to the day after we recorded this, <laughs> how that has gone. We'll, we'll have to shoot her a message and find out. Yeah,
1: definitely. Well, I'm curious as well about this, this follow-up, but it was a, something positive for her and obviously maybe not something that everyone wants to explore or try but I am really happy to hear that there are alternative therapies available for people that have tried other things that haven't worked for them to cope with emotions and happy that she found something that that's helping her
0: it's the most cutting-edge stuff that's happening right now being studied in all the top hospitals and universities in the world and Helping countless people around the world, and it's in Nova Scotia.
1: Yeah, so. psychedel- psychedelic therapy is not new. It's just it, there's workarounds with legalization and research in effort to make it yeah. fully available for the masses, and that certainly has to be tested. But it's, uh, you know, this is for a separate discussion, but thinking about all of the pharmaceutical companies that have made billions and billions of do- dollars off of chemical concoctions, why
0: Mm -hmm. not
1: try some of the the more natural, and in some cases, compound psychedelics?
0: Well, why do you think it is illegal? It's probably because the pharmaceutical companies make so much money. Well,
1: of course, same as the electric car, same as lots of inventions that have existed in our history that have... Unfortunately, been overshadowed by capitalism, but Ooh. I don't want to get too off track here. Uh, <laughs> That'll be for a you and me conversation on another day.
0: Yeah, yeah. We oh. had, it was a great chat though with Carly, and uh, we had uh, we had a fun weekend. I had a big show at the marquee. Went awesome. Everybody was on the bill was awesome. Great crowd. Just really. Exciting time.
1: Yeah, I'm glad. You put a lot of work into promoting that and yeah. just happy that everybody had a good time.
0: It was playing with a, a trumpet on stage was pretty cool, too. Like Everyone got to hear the songs in a, a new way with this additional instrument and kind of allowed us to explore some different avenues of sound and take some songs in different directions. That was exciting.
1: Yeah, Paul was such a compliment to your sound. It wasn't too much; like he really hit the sweet spot too. Yeah. So he, uh, I hope you invite him back.
0: One of the best, the best musicians are people who just know when to when to shine, and when to hold back, and because a lot a lot of people who are younger just think they gotta go all out all the time, mm-hmm. and it's. The exact opposite. Like when it's your time to do that, you gotta you gotta show up and yeah, show what you got. Yeah, a less is more
1: approach at times. But is... at
0: times you just ease back. It's like in a conversation. If you just talk the whole time, it's it's not a conversation. It's just a one sided thing. So you gotta listen and find the little spots to to dip your toes in at the right time.
1: Which is a good reminder for us as podcast hosts. Yeah, <laughs> and. Without any further ado, maybe a good time to hand it over to the voice of today's guest, Ms. Carly Jeffrey.
0: Let's do it.
2: Good
1: mm-hmm. It's for your singing career. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the, the value of um, musical Absolutely gear. Not. Doesn't really depreciate, so you buy a mic oh. like this or whatever, and it's it's a few years later, the value doesn't decrease that yeah. much, so mm. you can, you know, it's a good investment to make.
1: It becomes antique and more valuable
0: it's at mo- some point. The more guitars one has, the better.
1: This is your justification for having thirty-seven guitars. <laughs> <isn't
0: it? laughs> no, I don't have that many. I have like ten.
3: Do you have any collections? Well, I i I just got all of my dad's um guitars, and like other musical instruments that he played and stuff, I kind of gave over to his friends and stuff but yeah, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know what to I'm gonna just display them because I don't I don't know what I think I'm all thumbs I I really wanna, <laughs> yeah, that's not for right now in life, maybe later, yeah.
1: Was your dad a, a musician by trade or by profession? By
3: Friday nights and some there wine and some weeds, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like That's, most. Yeah, 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 yeah. And his buddies would just get g- kind of garbled up and,
2: mm.
3: yeah. So I wouldn't say no, but I don't know if they were even any good. I, I'm, I was too young to like commit to memory what was good or not. Like I, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Are yeah, there yeah.
0: certain songs that remind you of those Friday nights? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, a lot of John Prine.
0: Yeah, I was I was going to guess John Prine. That's yeah. kind of a Friday night gathering. Yeah. Yeah. Sound. Yeah.
3: I grew up listening to like all of the like Van Morrison stuff when I was like I was like singing Van, like obscure Van Morrison songs when I was like 8. Yeah. I was <laughs> like that kid. <laughs> like you're weird. Yeah, maybe.
1: All the old, we listen, I grew up on country music but the old kind of Hank Snow, Don mm-hmm. Williams, mm-hmm. like country singers that not even everybody's heard of. That was my dad's Friday night bread and butter. Yeah. Also, he could play like two chords on the guitar, Yeah, played it with pride. So, yeah. I'm
0: yet to see yeah. your dad play the guitar. He's, I think he's too shy to play in front of you. Yeah. I, I want to hear him just drum it sometime, yeah. though.
1: Yeah. yeah, we'll get there. We're, we're all
0: just people.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> we're all just people.
1: So, where did you grow up? I know you're Dartmouth. driving here today Dartmouth. from Cole Harbor, but yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Dartmouth.
3: Yep. Dartmouth High. No um well I moved about a little bit cuz mom and dad didn't when I, when I was young they split like I was baby when mm-hmm. it was at the, when they split um so I ended up at what's now not called it's called Woodlawn High now Prince Andrew mm-hmm. okay They've renamed it um and like yeah so mostly up in and around that area of Dartmouth yeah. yeah like the Waverly Road area okay yeah what yeah.
0: were your things growing up
3: My things grow. To be honest, like I was that kid that like didn't want things. Like I didn't, I didn't want to be like in brownies. I didn't want to. I'd go to like the first or second tryouts for like volleyball and be like, yeah, good enough to make that cut, and then I would just leave. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I just. But I this is oldest.
1: interesting because from what little we know of each other, I know that there you've described a little bit of a pattern in your adult life of I'm going to try this. I'm going to try yeah. this. So I love to dabble. You're a lifelong learn. dabbler. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. Maybe. I... <laughs> I share this experience, especially as a younger person. And I want to know if we have this mutual kind of childhood concern of because I would see people around me with so much certainty. Yeah. In this is what I was put on this earth to do. Yeah. And as adults, especially adult women, we're kind of given this message of like following your passion or like this is supposed yeah. to be something I should know about myself by now. I'm in my 40s. Like, who am I? What do I want to be when I grow up? Yeah. Have you ever grappled with this kind of like? I like to b- bounce around being actually a challenge instead of a celebration. I would say
3: yeah. In my twenties, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in my twenties, yes. And like, I spent some time, uh, like as a server, and I loved my serving years. Like, I had the best clientele at all of the places that I worked. I just was always like kind of grateful for. For those connections. But I was always like, well, this is going to end at some point. And then I just, and then, well, and then my, my first dog died. And after he died, my life totally changed. And, you know, it was a really interesting way that, that the whole spiritual path kind of like unraveled for me because he died. I didn't know what to do with myself my best friend, she's like, "There's this show on TV. This will tell you how long ago it was. There's a show on TV. It's called Long Island Medium. And you have to see it." And this girl's <laughs> like crazy and la la la. And I was like, "I really feel like something like that, that would help me right now, mm-hmm. you know." And I'd never heard of it before. And I was working a split shift that Friday, and I came home. And my partner was standing in the kitchen. He's like, "You'll never guess what happened today." And he was like talking about a friend and his wife and how she spoke to a medium that day literally never heard of it in my life, asked for it. And the same day I came home from work, I had the information. So I was like, what the heck's going on here? And I always had like a little bit of a twinkle, you know, and I was always that person that kind of like, I'm going to follow the breadcrumbs in life and just see what happens. And I was kind of okay with it because I I think I always on some level knew that would take me wherever I needed to go. But I didn't have that confidence in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of sort of showed up in my 30s a little bit more and that That window, that door opened like a a million other things. well, that's why I'm sitting here probably right now, to be <laughs> fair um but yeah it was it was a thing that I started to like almost grapple with in my thirties as well, because I get so annoyed when people not that people want to know what their life purpose is. I'm not annoyed with that. I'm annoyed that people are forced by like social media or gurus or this or that, they have to have a life purpose. I'm like, for God's sakes, for goodness sakes, um, we're living it all the time. You know, when I was serving chicken wings, I had people coming to me and asking me for help. I had close personal connections when I was serving food and that turned into, you know, what I ended up doing later on in life and and how I ended up taking the trainings that I've taken It's just the same thing, only I'm not putting chicken wings in front of them anymore. It's usually over Zoom, you know? So I feel like if we all spend some time really searching inward, journaling, accessing the subconscious, I think that everyone has a bit of an inkling what their purpose is. And it can be things that are so simple. It doesn't always have to be your job. Yes, It doesn't have to be your job. It can be the way you interact with people, the way you make other people feel the way that you're able to maybe uplift other people, or um, inspire them with music, or inspire mm. them with art, or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how we, you know, allow our purpose to move through us. And I, I, I just wish that everyone could kind of get to that place where they didn't put so much pressure on to be doing the right job to be feeling like they're they're living their purpose.
1: You know, I want to insert a round of applause in the audio <laughs> if we could right here.
0: Okay, I'll find one.
1: Yes, because that that's so important to think about. We are so much more than the jobs that we do in the way that we make yeah. an income. Mm-hmm. Like that's almost a boring part of ourselves. Yeah. Yep. Especially if it's not in alignment with what we're calling right for the sake of this conversation, our purpose.
2: Mm-hmm. Like yep.
1: kindness can be your purpose. Parenting can be your purpose. Just uh, and it's endless. Yeah. So yes. Have you always felt kind of you knew what your purpose was in
3: that regard? Whether I knew or not, I was living it. Yeah. And bless my mom. She's been a good mirror, a good reflector for me over my years. And she's like, honey, you've always been, you know, like, when well, we were going to the dances and junior high. I would make sure everyone's hair and makeup was done. and Love to do it. Like, ended up a hairdresser for a hot minute, too. But, um, But it was just because I liked to make people have confidence or feel good, right? And I just never not did that no matter what. I did. Yeah. So and and hopefully like I don't say that to, from an ego place. I I really want everyone in the world to be happy because I think you know, if we all reflected inward, if we all took care of ourselves, you know, spiritually, health-wise, all the things, the world is going to have a lot less problems, you know. It's up to us as an individual to take care of ourselves and to make sure that our energy is in a good place because I mean what happens if everyone does that? What happens? You know?
0: The day your the medium came into your life in those multiple yeah. ways. Yeah. How did that progress?
3: Um very rapidly actually. I ended up taking trainings with this fellow. He was such a lovely soul. He's he's still a healer. I think he does acupuncture and and massage and stuff like this now.
0: Was this to be a medium yourself?
3: It was just like anything I could get my hands on at yeah. that point. Mm-hmm. I, w- I took like every course that he offered, um, all of which were deeply connecting to your intuition, basically. Yeah, uh, That led to another lady that I I learned from that led to, you know, um, kind of another whole other community of friends. Um, I ended up in Bali doing my yoga teacher training after a little bit of a shake up in life, uh, uh, leaving a narcissistic friendship behind and stuff like that, and uh, recognizing that I'm a sensitive person and how to handle that and take care of myself, which is um lifelong, I think, for yeah. people who are highly sensitive and honoring their needs, particularly as a woman. I, I don't like to say that in not factoring in men, but women have this unfortunate disadvantage sometimes with going, going, doing, doing, take care of everybody, and what's left in the bucket for you at the end is, it's never enough, right? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Multiple courses later, um, I trained in all kinds of different stuff, and um, and I again, I it's like the universe throws you a breadcrumb, and I just keep kind of following the next one instead of worrying where the next ten are, and that's really fared well for me. I have to, it's not probably for everyone, but yeah, I've, I've I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and and it looks very different than it did a year ago or two yeah. years ago, you know. A lot of my practice was quite busy a couple of years ago, and I had to put the brakes on after a couple of losses in my family um, over the last 10, 11 months. And, um, and now I'm, you know, publishing books and, and I'm looking at acquiring a business.
0: How did the writing component come into all this?
3: That was another way for me to be of service without having it to be one on one. Because there's only one of me, mm-hmm. and there's no way to, you know create more than one of me um unless you were, you know, getting into online courses and stuff like that, which crossed my mind. But yeah, um, the universe really led me to, you know, it was like a YouTube ad for this course, and blah, blah blah. and um and then I signed up for it. And part of the process when you're self-publishing is figuring out, like, what do you want to write? And so being the little bit of woo that I am, I I meditated on it for a while. And and my my first dog that passed away, who is obviously a massive catalyst in my life, as you probably can pick up on, um, I see his little doggy face. And this was many years after he passed. And I just felt like in the core of my being through my whole body that I'm supposed to write a book to help people through pet loss. People yeah. who, you know, felt it as deeply as I did because it really that really threw me off as a person who don't doesn't have kids um you know my my little pepperoni he was he was my fur kid and it it really uh that grief was a lot it was a lot so i felt like i wanted other people to know that if they're feeling it the way that i was feeling it, that that is normal yeah
0: yeah and this has yeah.
1: become one of your most successful publications, yeah, yeah. which speaks to both the quality of the writing and the book itself, but also the relatability, I imagine. Yeah. So yeah. many people have gone through this. Yeah.
3: There's there's an, a bunch of stories at the end of people who have gone through loss in their particular stories of loss that a lot of times the feedback I'll get was, you know, I I felt like it was really readable, but I also felt like you understood. And I also felt like the people who also had similar stories understood me and That's another thing like grief. You always it kind of always feels like an island no matter what, because people grieve so individually. And when you have someone saying, hey, that's normal, you're that's not that's all right. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I thought I was taking this too far or I thought, you know, that the way that my my body was handling or how the amount that I was crying was wrong or or or. But there is never any wrong when it comes to grieving anything, really.
1: Did you have that perspective of grief before experiencing it in the profound ways that
3: you have? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't until it hit that. And I had lost family. You know, that's the weird thing about a pet. And I think I, I listened to other podcasts that you guys have like. For, we got pet for people. Kids. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, um, you know, they're an extension of you, which is not the same as you know, if a family member doesn't live in the house with you, or it's like a being that's always there, like it's like your arm, and then it's, you know, what I mean, like it's a, it's a part of you, and so it's just a very different kind of grieving process. And that was, geez, Louise, I'm gonna say probably eleven years ago, maybe twelve now that I lost Casey, and, um, and then you know, up until very recently, I'd never lost a parent, and I might get emotional here, so forgive um that's another whole totally different thing you know it's it's not until you experience it you don't understand it and you i don't think i was there enough for the friends who had lost parents before i did because i didn't understand it at the level of which i understand it now and the complications that can arise and you know i have i have some clients who have recently lost um family as well excuse me and if the relationship like i had a good relationship with my father people don't have good relationships with their parents sometimes and then they never do get that closure that's needed, like Mm -hmm. to hear the things that need to be said. So, you know, grief is just a big, huge, interesting part of life. It's a part
1: of life. I just started reading this book. Someone actually sent me in the mail. I I forget what it's called. I think um, maybe motherless, motherless daughters. daughters, so so I have lost I lost my mother ten years ago, mm-hmm. which sounds like this eternity ago, yeah, if you've not lost a parent, right, and in this book, she's talking where I am. she's talking about how eight years later, twenty years later, fifty years later, there are moments in yep. your life that bring you back to that place of mm-hmm. grief. and amongst a million relatable messages that she talks about in this book, that one really stood out to me because before going through grief, I had this idea in my head Mm -hmm. that after X amounts of months or years, Mm -hmm. I will magically find myself in some different state of mind or I'll be over it. Yeah. Like, when do I get over this? And now that vocabulary doesn't even exist to me. But reading this about like 10 years later, which it is for me, I'm like, yeah, like I definitely still have moments of Deep, profound sadness, and you you come to realize like, oh, this is going to be forever. This is just a new version of life now.
3: Yep, yeah, yeah. That's exactly correct. Like, and I've had a conversation with one of my dearest friends. Actually, knew my father quite well and lived in his house and stuff. And we were even talking about it this morning because she lost both of her father, stepfather, and her father in uh, nine months. And so she's like, you know, from one to the next, you know, she's like, you know, able to reflect for me a lot right now. Where she's saying, just because. You know, it's been uh, six years or five years or one year or however many years. She's like, I can think of things. And it was it was yesterday in my head. Yeah. And it's just wild, you know, and in the body, our, our bodies, remember <laughs> our bodies, know trauma. You know, I'm coming up towards the year mark here soon. This is about this time last year when I started to get a little worried and, and I'm feeling it and I'm feeling it in my body. And, you know, trauma holds in really interesting patterns in the body and stuff like that. So I, I know I'm in for a bit of a ride over the next month. but mm-hmm. um. It it's also, you know, part of the human experience. So do you feel
1: sort of I don't want to say better equipped, but maybe that's the right way of describing it. Better prepared, capable, having these spiritual tools in your toolbox now
3: coming upon this this one year. A, a million percent, yes. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how I would be if I didn't. I really don't. Just the awareness on um, meditation, the awareness of alternative therapies to help through and you know being able to think outside of the box a little bit when it comes to, to even giving myself grace at this time. If I'm a little bit more tired, I know why. If I'm a little bit more worried or anxious for no reason, I know why. Like having that knowledge of, of how our bodies store that information and certain times a day or, or um, time of the year or the weather or, you know, all of these things can be a little bit of a, a trigger for the subconscious, a trigger for the body. To just be off. And it's like, you know what? That's okay. I was talking to a naturopath last week, and she said that um, she had gone on a trip to Peru. And she said that in Peru, um, the way that they grieve is they light a fire. And there's this, in this community or town where she was, there's this ongoing fire. And people who have lost uh, a friend, family members, a loved one, are expected to spend almost a year at that fire every night or every day or whatever. So they go and then they have this communal area to grieve in in front of this fire. And I was like, that is gorgeous. That's beautiful. And it makes so much sense because you're not alone. Yeah, And it's also widely accepted for you to just be sad for a year or like process for a year. Or you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. how cool would that be in our society if it was that... You know, respected. I guess is that's the right word. Yes,
1: mm. that's beautiful.
3: Yeah, thanks for sharing that part of yeah. your life. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Do you think society here puts, a, I don't know if a timeline's the right word, but a but a, a period where you should be able to move on, and it kind of f- puts you in a space where you're not given the time to actually do that grieving you're talking about.
3: I'm going to give you my perception on this. So yeah. I, I, that's my caveat. This is my perception. I Yes, I do yeah. think that that there's a lot of expectations. And um, where I'm an entrepreneur and I make my own schedule and you guys know how like good and liberating that can be. Um, people who don't and people who have a boss that expects them to come back to work after X amount of days, yeah. which is the majority of the people that we know, mm-hmm. you know, how are they supposed to just be all right, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and I do know people, I've actually helped people through situations like this where I'm like, you know, that you're still very early in the processes and the stages of grief and that if you have to take a minute, you take a minute. Like no one's going to look out for you but you in the same way. And also no one's going to know what your experiences are and what you're having happen in your mind and in your body except you. So you kind of have to honor where you're at and then advocate for yourself if you need more time. And and I just encourage that all the time because, you know, people have to take time off work, then they're weak. Or they're, mm. you know, this, or th- you know? And it's just like, that is not how we, sh- how we need to treat ourselves or should be treated either, but it's not how we should treat ourselves either. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I have a line in a song I wrote a few years back and it says, I used to think that strength was not being weak. And I feel like most of the world just thinks that we have to be strong all the time. I like the
3: slow clap on that one. <laughs> <laughs> a single tear yeah. rolls down our cheek. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's so true. Uh, that's brilliant. Yeah, And and also like just burnout that's come up multiple times in this podcast. Yeah. People just keep pushing themselves when they probably shouldn't. And yeah. when they, they need to just take a week to walk in the woods and... Yeah put their phone away yeah and uh but society does reward people who push it really hard like you you can make more money you can get the the nice car the house whatever the things are you're looking for so so many people get caught in that on that i guess uh path that leads towards these negative things and
3: And what does any of that mean if you don't have your health and yeah. wellness?
1: Right. Well, you've been through burnout. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And like changed I pushed your business. Model. To the hospital.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's why publishing kind of came up. I was like, I have to figure out another way to not I I need to get help out there that isn't always just me being on and like a yeah. passively helpful way of being in the world because, you know, you know, drive yourself to the hospital and they think you're having like a stroke at forty three or what forty two years old or something. And I was like this 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 isn't right. This yeah, is not yeah. life. This is not great.
1: There's a part of me that's having a small giggle being like, you chose to write a book for your income. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk. <laughs> yeah. But you have five. Yeah. So that's yeah. five different revenue streams. Yeah. But what else? What other kinds of work are you doing right now in addition to publishing?
3: Yeah. So I do, like I said, I do still see people, what I call spiritual therapy. Um, and that kind of is just embodying everything that we just talked about and listening to your own body and your own needs predominantly not not on purpose it's not because I'm like putting out uh, content saying if you're this or this way or that way come see me it's the universe is very much like aligning me with people who are like attracts like situations so a lot of the people that come to see me are highly sensitive people um and then I explained to them what that means and 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 I ask them like what kind of boundaries are they setting and it's usually not very many and and so there's there's that conversation and then there's you know how to look at things from a bit of a spiritual perspective or how to spin a perspective on something for someone so that they're oh
0: mm-hmm. that's Amazon yeah.
1: somebody's at the door
3: I think do there's a
0: there's knock. a food
1: bank fundraiser happening oh. today but we have an envelope with a donation <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry no it's <laughs> sometimes, sometimes right. this happens the doorbell yeah, rings yeah. but yes <laughs> yeah. So, okay, let's keep going down this path. We'll try to jump back in. Yeah. But for people that we, heard, we hear the term people-pleasing a lot, yeah. which often happens with highly sensitive people, yeah. how would you describe people-pleasing or what do those behaviors look like for our
3: listeners? There's a general way of answering this, and then there's, there's my personal experiences. So I'm going mm-hmm. to offer a little bit of personal experience. When, and this is this is very much my perception because of my own experiences, but also a lot of the clients that I've had conversation with. If there's a little bit of, um, I want to say instability, it's not that, or I'm losing the word for insta- like not stable childhood, um, unexpected things, a lot of, you know, lack of control. Like if say, for example, uh, um, there was a military family and that, household had to move every four years and then that child has to like make new friends again over and over again so like not having a lot of say or a lot of upheaval or not inconsistency i think is the word that i was trying to find Mm -hmm. there's a lot of inconsistency and then that child you know knows that because i was first born and i was very much in tune with like what can i do to make sure that everyone around me is okay because like i i was the first like my parents were young like how are they doing and and so I actually in my hypnotherapy background I actually regressed back to a moment when um I remember wanting to cry but hearing my mom cry and I and she shared with me like the exhaustion was real for her she was pretty down tired um and I remember wanting to cry and feeling that feeling as a baby but stopping myself because my mom was crying and I didn't want her to have to stop feeling her emotions and I'm like obviously speaks to the emotional intelligence of a child
1: yes it does um
3: but also you know how early it can start that we start um not necessarily putting our needs second but like kind of putting our needs second you know Mm -hmm. and it's like are you okay are you okay is everyone in the room okay okay then I can be and that in childhood works because you just be good and then it's less stress on your parents or siblings or whatever but as we progress in age that check in with everybody else in the room are you all okay first and then me last looks very different because you're an adult with totally different you know jobs needs you know and stuff like that so what i was finding is that people would probably kind of likely have had a childhood like that where they're they were the sensitive child or the they were the 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 old soul in the house Um, And then they kind of were surveying their environment to make sure everyone was okay, Mm. which, in my opinion, turns into either maybe not a diagnosed HSP, but like at least highly sensitive in some facets in some ways and some are fully empathic, like becoming other people and and becoming other people's energy and stuff like that. So, you know, that's where the people pleasing kind of comes in as early as it can. And then what do you do with it once you recognize it? Because usually when people recognize that it, it's because they've hit burnout or something worse, mm-hmm. and then they have no idea how to begin to start a boundary because they haven't practiced it their whole life. It'd be like, you know, going it, to a gym and lifting a weight for the first time. How do you, what do you do? Yeah. And you start with yeah. the 200 pounds. Yeah. But this,
1: the people pleasing is, is often described as, oh, she's really nice. Mm and this is again something like the workaholic that is celebrated mm-hmm. in our culture which i imagine makes it all the more hard to set boundaries because you feel like you're being a jerk
3: yep yeah yep and then to further it people who are like extra sensitive extra sensory also know that their no or their boundary is going to make someone else feel yucky and not want to do it double time because it's going to let them down and it's going to feel yucky And they're going to feel that yuckiness Mm -hmm. for them and with them. Like, it's just a triple-edged sword, if that's a thing. I don't know. (laughs) No, it's so relatable. We both, Mike and
1: I, and and maybe you can relate to this too, at least. I think we're both getting a little better only because we're aware of Mm -hmm. how we might describe people pleasing and that this is not a becoming quality, especially as an adult. Yeah. However... We both grew up in rural Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. like we, when, especially when we travel, everyone's like, oh, you guys are so nice in Canada, Nova Scotia and all this. We pride ourselves in being yeah. kind, mm-hmm. but definitely often feel either taken advantage of or my needs are put last or something as simple as like, I don't really feel like going to that baby shower or that birthday party or whatever. Yeah. But if I don't go. Yeah. It's not gonna be about I really respect Kristen for setting her boundaries. Nope. It's gonna be about hmm, she didn't show up. Yeah. And that's that's on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Is it that like be. a Nova
3: Scotia thing or is that an all around the world thing? Because <laughs> it's very Nova Scotia, I can tell you that. It's very definitely Nova East Scotia. Coast for sure. Yeah. 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 Cause I still do things that I don't have the energy to do for that very reason, even though I know, like in all of the ways <laughs> the like the basis of my cells, I know. You know, you don't do that because if you do that, you know where it leads. You know, yes, yeah. yeah still, we've done like,
1: cellular. we spent thousands yeah. of dollars to know this lesson yep. and still <laughs> struggle <Yeah>. with <laughs> exercising these boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Yep.
3: Yep. 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 That's why I, I asked the question: Is this a Nova Scotia thing? Because it's like deep. <laughs> some deep stuff there. As yep.
0: a, as an artist, as a music performing musician, I uh, get offered gigs often, and uh, I can never just straight up say. <laughs> No, I don't want to play that gig. I always have to say, "Oh no, we have this on the go," or I, ha- I have yeah. to make up an excuse that seems reasonable in their eyes. And most of the time, just like, this is a horrible offer. We're you're going to pay us fifty dollars? We usually charge three thousand. Are you stupid? Yeah, like, it's like <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, this is what I'm it's, thinking. Uh,
0: <laughs> but I can't just I can't just say sorry. Either pay us this much or no. It's always oh yeah well. Bruce has to work overtime that night, and yeah, it's always this big list. I can't just straight up can't just say no. Come out and say the truth.
3: Well, uh, maybe mm. practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier, but you, that's I, the thing too. It does get easier. I promise
0: you. I promise. I, I used to say yes to them all, though.
3: Okay, that's progress. Then you're but doing that great. is
0: how I met Kristen. Why we're married, though, too. So.
3: By saying yes, By when saying me offering yes. him a shitty deal. Yes, but. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously that was on purpose, so yeah. that's good. There you but go. But you got the prize, you're good. Uh, yeah, I got <laughs> the got prize. To say no, no. <laughs> and
1: this could be, way back when, an example of following the breadcrumbs, yeah. as you've talked about. Yeah. And I'd like, maybe we can all kind of weigh in on this, but again, for people listening, this is common language we learn what does that mean, though? What does following the breadcrumbs really mean for someone that's like, I want to do this. I hear about this. How
3: should I be paying attention? I knew you were going to stump me with one question. <laughs> like <laughs> I knew I I'm I'm a pretty good little chatter, but this that that is a fantastic question, and I'll tell you why. That is something that has come easily to me. Mm. Um, and I've always been that feely person. Like I've always been. Fe- like I said, I I was sensitive. Apparently. <laughs> From birth I guess yeah I don't know um so for me it's it's always been very much like listen to your body and what reactions do your does your body give you um you know if someone hmm, if someone doesn't have that attribute which I have to assume we're not all the same like we're all individuals and stuff um how does it make you feel do you feel excitement you know do you have a joy meter reading on this does it make you feel large expansive does it make you feel teensy weensy does it So for some people where it doesn't, it's not an innate and easy guttural feeling or or, or visceral feeling in their body, then maybe have a checklist and ask yourself those things. Mm -hmm. How does this make me feel? Do I feel excited about it? Does it feel wrong? Does it feel worth trying? Does it feel like it could be a waste of time? Like, how do you feel? I think that that's, you know, for me, following the breadcrumbs means whatever the universe kind of drops around me and there's always more than one thing there's always more than one thing and it's really easy to say yes to too many things that's another whole conversation but which one of those things actually makes me feel like I'm gravitating towards it or um it has the best potential for you know other core values so for me after that experience of ending up in the hospital for a minute there i was like okay i have to be more aligned with my health My health has to be number one because what is the rest of life if you don't have your health? Who cares which car you drive if you don't feel good? Like, Mm -hmm. who cares? Um, So for me, core values and then maybe asking yourself the questions, maybe journaling through it a little bit. Which one of these options feels the best for me or is the most aligned with who I am as an individual? And most people are pretty connected to their core values, you know? Mm -hmm. Most people have that, you know, the environment's important to you or animals are important to you or all of it is, you know, and whatever whatever the things are if those breadcrumbs align with those things that's also a good way to go about it i think is yeah,
0: following but. the breadcrumbs essentially just trusting your intuition
3: um yes and maybe a little bit no <laughs> because it's not really fair to someone who doesn't use their intuition muscle that often to just simplify it that way um so if someone you know is just getting started in that or you know just doesn't speak that language. Um, following the breadcrumbs to someone, you know, who maybe is a little less spiritual or whatever, not that that's anything bad. Everyone, we're all on our journey, would be the same kind of thing. Like, do your checks and balances. And to someone who's a little more analytical, like, what the heck does that mean? Like, follow the bre- what breadcrumbs, you know? Mm-hmm. Someone a little more analytical would still be able to tap into whether or not they feel joy at the opportunity, excitement towards you. My My guidepost is always going to be feeling it's always going to be, you know, music obviously makes you feel, you know, like people, all even the most analytical of minds have an option or an avenue to feel things. Yeah. And so my my advice would always be like tune into that. It's such a huge gift from whatever you want to call it, universe, God, whatever floats anyone's boat. Um, that's like our biggest, our biggest gift, right, is to be able to use feeling and emotion and, and tune into ourselves that way. So,
1: how does it feel for you? How would you answer that question or describe that experience of following the breadcrumbs or your or your intuition, if that's what kind of connects for you?
0: I guess it's the same, just maybe in a different different way. Whatever lights you up, I guess it's. Uh, and I've, I guess, I always knew where the bread com- crumbs were going, but I often wasn't necessarily able to follow it, just because, well. If if you gotta do something to make money and mm-hmm. the breadcrumbs are your path of joy or whatever, it's sometimes it's hard to align everything the exact way you want them to. But I think I was always aware of where the breadcrumbs were. Yeah. And always knew where they would lead and then structured my life in a way that I could get on that path. Yep. And a lot of sacrifice involved, a lot of just Figuring out who I am mm-hmm. and what what makes sense for me. And I guess, yeah, ultimately, following the breadcrumbs is just the things that bring the most joy and recognizing that. And I guess it goes back to, like you said, your core values. Mm-hmm. And that's something um, we talked about on here not too long ago. And... We, we looked at, or I looked at something online, just assessing your core values. And I'm like, I have no idea what my core values are when I was thinking about it, because every human knows just in general what they, what they stand for or what Mm -hmm. they represent. But if I had to just write it out, I'm like, uh, (laughs) so I had to go through this series of questions and then it's kind of pointed in a a clear way. But, but just off the top of your head, I don't know if the average person knows, like I stand for these five things the most. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if I know right now in this moment I did this exercise like a month ago. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think it's just staying true to yourself. Totally. At the end of the day.
3: Yeah. Again, it can be something that we overcomplicate. There's no need of it, you know. And so, like you said, I didn't know what they were, so I just did a test online, you know. Keep it simple, man. Like, (laughs) it's not not that you, and if someone is a little bit disconnected with their core values, they don't know what they are, you know, it's okay to talk to someone to talk through that type of thing. We all need some support. We all need, but it's all very introspective and it's all very, um, like the self-awareness stuff just comes when you need it to. If you, if you think something's off in your life, your body, somehow your mind somehow will get you enough signals that if change needs to be had, it will your avenue will show up, yeah. you know, or your body will force you. Or, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to say it politely. But <laughs> and like I love my I love your story and I love I love everything that you said about, you know, I know I was always aware of where the breadcrumbs were, but I had to like do other things to make ends meet or, you know, had to do those things to get the means to to go follow the Yeah. I love that. And the one thing that you said, I was like, yeah, was, you know, it was it was really hard and I had to do that and all that stuff. And I'm like, my favorite saying is it gets to be easy. It gets to be easy because it just even if it's not even if it's not because like we're humans here and like it's not that easy to human right now Mm. (laughs) in this world. Um, But I still kind of bring that mantra back into my life because it somehow either makes it feel a little bit lighter or it actually does make things a little bit easier, right? If we look at things as mountains, we're not going to want to climb them, mm-hmm. right? We're just not, or I don't. I, I did that once in Bali, and I'll tell you what, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> I made really good friends that day, but um, i not. the metaphorical not mountain. <laughs> not my body type.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you notice a theme over the last few years, maybe COVID, post-COVID, of your clientele? Is there a new sort of resurgence of any type of maybe... Common mental health struggle or bodily thing,
3: finding direction, purpose, any of that? Mostly what we've covered that just people are really um, needing to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think COVID really did expose a lot of how much too much there was out there for everyone, be it work or otherwise, because everyone had no choice but to fully stop. And so most people did, like some people's jobs didn't really allow for that. But the people who did and the vast majority did, people started to realize, holy God, this is not I'm not on my right path or I'm not feeling right or this amount this little bit of rest, you know it was enough for me to realize like I'm not doing enough, so there was a lot of um people who were recognizing that their boundaries were not in place at home at work with friendships da 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 so that's that is actually how that book came to be i I realized, my gosh, I'm hearing this over and over again, you know it's it's how do I even do that and I'd say, you know well y- you know, this is what I would do if it was me. Or how would you feel if you tried this? And and people would just squirm. And I'm like, geez. You know, I understand that because I lived it and I and I <laughs> I just told you I'm not totally anyone tells you that they're perfect to set up boundaries. Especially if they're highly sensitive, may not be totally honest to be fair. Mm. Um, because we care, because we care about other people. But um that was a big that was a big theme. Like self-care was huge. Um and then kind of reconnecting back to themselves to realize what is it that makes me feel good you know it's it's sad to say but like not a lot of people know yeah so
1: and this was this became a whole other book for you
3: yeah yeah and yeah. what's the
1: title of that one
3: the highly sensitive person's guide to stop people pleasing there you go mm.
1: there you have it yeah the title says so, it all yeah. yeah 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 do you feel that you've
3: healed from that um people pleasing like, 78%. Probably. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's life is a lot easier when you recognize that it's safe and okay to set a boundary with something that is not for you or a person who is not for you and you do it more than once. Like the first time, gross. The second time, gross. Mm-hmm. You know, the third, fourth, you're like, "Geez, you know, this actually makes me feel better or lighter or and then you start to feel a little empowered and you're like, "Oh, you know, Instead of it being what the body remembers as icky and yucky and scary and you hurt someone and, 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 there's a way to set boundaries with love, you know? And then you get good at setting the boundaries with love and explaining yourself and, and getting to the place where, you know, I've been honest with people before and like, you know, crowds really don't do it for me. I'm really good friend at being like one-on-one or in a smaller crowd. Let's have tea. Right. You know, that's my jam. Mm, I
1: love that example because Mm -hmm. sometimes it can feel... Not only emotionally hard, but you think you think prioritizing yourself makes you selfish.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And, like, maybe can we talk about just an example or how one might go about setting a boundary, knowing that we've already determined Nova Scotia were're like the most guilty <laughs> clientele <laughs> of needing to make everybody else happy yeah. before us. But the holidays are coming up. This mm-hmm. is a good example where yeah. people feel responsible. I have to. Go see all these people. I have to buy all these gifts. I have, you know, I have to cook all these things, Mm -hmm. host these things, go to everybody's party. Is saying no the best for us, for others? Like, how
3: does this fit into this culture? It's exceptionally difficult over the holidays because you have these extra expectations, right? And it's also a really potentially um, unusual time to just start. Busting right. of the boundaries. Maybe not the best time mm-hmm. to start. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I always tell people to start small. Start on Halloween. Start small. <laughs> start small. Um, like if you, I remember, I'll, I'm going to change this up just a little bit because I always protect everyone's privacy, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, I was treating someone a while back who was working on self-esteem and stuff and was asked to do a very menial task on the way home. Stop at the grocery store for something. And the person who asked the question was also out and about. And the knee-jerk reaction would have always been, sure, no problem, dear. No problem. And it was, aren't you oat as well? I'm on my way home. I've done a lot today already. Can you grab it yourself? And it was, like, very well received. And that was the first time in their life that they actually just said no. But in a loving, you know, uh, it made sense kind of a way. For them, it was, you know, perceived to be a very small thing, but it was huge for that person. And it was just like, see, you did it. Wasn't that bad, right? And then you got to go home instead of having to do that extra errand. Yeah. And they're they're recognizing that there's a reward, just like you set any goal, right? If you set a goal and then you have to go through the the doings and then at the end, you're like, I'm done. And then there's the smart goals. You give yourself a treat at the end kind of thing or whatever. It's like tiny microscopic goals as opposed to looking at it as this fortress of a boundary that you're setting up. Um, And so starting small is absolutely definitely the way to go there. That's great advice.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I feel like perfectionism and people pleasing are kind of Mm. intertwined in a number of ways. And maybe a lot of these things are like self-esteem is probably a part of it all as well. Mm -hmm. And I myself, like, I have a hard time when people don't don't like me (laughs) like Mm -hmm. like, again I don't know where that falls in and I don't really care when I think about like some random person but like the uh, here's a stupid example like I want to be seen as someone who works hard because I do work hard Mm -hmm. and like if I'm at the library and I'm whatever writing my working on a book or something and then I go on Facebook for a few minutes and then a stranger walks by like I'll quickly go back to my book because I don't want to be sitting there somewhere. I have no idea who they yeah. are, and I want to. I want to make sure that they see me working. And I'm like, why? Why the hell am I doing that? Like that's stupid.
3: It, you're not wrong. Self esteem based, which I'm very confident saying that most of the population has. Okay, yeah. we all have that. Those moments in our childhood, we like read out loud in front of the class and felt like you were the size of an ant. You know, like those moments of. Terror and the things that we come up with as our beliefs in those moments kind of stick with us, which is really strange programming. I don't know who created that. <laughs> we'll have to ch- have a chat with whoever the creator is here. But um, the things that you said all line up. Everything that you yeah. said, you said perfectionism, procrastination is, is perfectionism, same same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, from what I've been able to boil it down to over my experiences and also experiences of clients is perfectionism is a way to procrastinate. Procrastination is a way of avoiding judgment. Because if you actually do accomplish the thing and you put it out there, there, people can judge it. So a lot of times people will procrastinate or be a perfectionist in a way so that they don't actually have to like, for you, if you're releasing a new song and you like made it better and made it better, made it perfect, made it perfect. made Well, like it could have been out for six months. And you could have been number one by now, but mm-hmm. you were just like, I have to make it perfect so that everyone likes it, mm-hmm. as opposed to being like it came from my heart or came from my soul or God or whatever. And I'm obviously not a musician; you can probably tell. <laughs> no, are <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect analogy. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, most of the things that you're saying, like even you know, it's kind of ingrained into us societally where you know you don't want to be the the weird guy at the at the at the library just like not doing something or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um. It's, it's again, it's it's all judgment based. We're, yeah. we're just we're just humans not wanting to be judged harshly. Yeah. You know.
1: Thanks for sharing that example. Yeah, it was like, a great example. It, oh, it's, it's hard to be I honest about that things that are, things are like, me. I'm kind of embarrassed about this. Yeah. But yeah. Th- these are the things we all struggle with. Maybe not that specific scenario. But I think anybody can relate to this feeling of like, uh, I probably should know better, but I still do this thing or I still feel this way about this thing. Yeah. So
0: I remember it, another very similar one like long time ago and uh I was still in high school. And me and my friends were out for a run, a couple of us, and we we're on this steep hill and we like we, we couldn't make it up, so we started walking, but then we saw a car come like
2: me like we gotta <laughs> yeah. get going. So I
0: don't know that's more just teenage boys yeah. trying to look like they're tough, I yeah. guess, but it was the same kind Do of you thing. have that
1: do you have that with me? Um well, at least, like, maybe I should excuse myself for a minute. No,
2: no, this I is interesting. We, I
0: think, uh, I think we both do because we, we always want, I don't want to say we always want to impress each other, but I guess at the root of our relationship, there is that, like, when we f- would have first started dating, like, we, we are trying to impress the mm-hmm. other person. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, that is how people end up falling in love in different ways it's it's Mm -hmm. and it's not always just uh intentional like I'm not I'm gonna go lift this heavy weight or do (laughs) this thing it's like just the actions in our day-to-day life might impress you or what what you happen to be able to do just as you exist could impress me but and then then we get together and like there's not Oh, oh any weight there to feel like I have to impress you, but I I also don't want to seem like a failure or a loser. I guess so.
1: I think this is where the potential for the lines to be blurred can happen, though. Back to this idea of people pleasing is I appreciate you as my partner, want to continue to put effort into the marriage, and impress me in that you're still trying. Yeah. But at what point does it become a detriment to you where maybe you are just poking around on social media or a website or whatever, but feel that same obligation to appear like you're working like you would to the stranger in yeah. the library? Well,
0: well, both of us are, if like I wake up one morning, I'm not feeling good and you're feeling just super energi- energetic and you're cleaning the house and doing a bunch of work, like I feel guilty mm-hmm. not helping out. Like I so, then that. I so then I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm like dizzy or whatever, maybe. So, and I'm trying to sweep the floor, but I feel, yeah, I I don't know. That's I think we we both struggle with that, and I don't know if it's again people pleasing, perfectionism, self esteem, procrastination.
3: Honestly, that that to me, I, I mean, I wouldn't know without certainly digging. But like yeah. that to me sounds like just some really old subconscious unnecessary beliefs mm-hmm. of like having to be or do whatever it is that you like a lot of the times when people would regress back to scenes in their life um, they would feel different or less than or invisible or you know like these are all really common things for kids to feel and so the, the way that you combat those things as a child is you do things to stand out you you make sure like look mom or dad or whoever i i made my bed or you know you look for the praise and you look for it because that's just like human you know that's yeah. a human trait and so those types of things are so ingrained in society but also in us as children pretty well across the board i mean like we get graded in school where we used to anyways i don't know what goes on in school season i mean i have a couple <laughs> of friends who are teachers and i like don't know if the grading system is what it used to be but like it was like constant like need to prove right. yourself. Constant or evaluation. Your, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So That's, it's. Yeah. That makes so much sense yeah. because I would describe this like relationship in our marriage. <clears throat> excuse me. Less than maybe a stranger. But I want people to see that I'm pulling my weight.
3: 100%. And
1: that equates to value yep. to me in some way mm-hmm. so i think it's good to know that like maybe i'm wrong but i would call this step one or step three or whatever towards something yeah but i think recognizing that we do
3: that is at least something One hundred 100 yes okay. yes and yeah. like i still do that you know yeah. I is, still... is this
1: happening in your relationship oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah i always okay. want to pull my own weight and i and yeah. i'm my you know my mom raised my brother and I. I have we have a Brady Bunch situation. Like two I have two brothers named Michael. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> and a Matt and a Um but um my mom and stepdad have been together for a number of years now, over thirty. And um but for those for those first, you know, ten years or so, mom was a single mom. So I watched this woman like do everything by herself. And so then I was like That's mm-hmm. what you do. Yeah. You 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 figure it out. You make your own money, you do your own you, you make your own way. You you know and so part of the and which is like I love that as a strong independent woman kind of situation but at the same time it's also worked against me to detriment where I will work too hard when I don't need to be and my partner's like I will help you you know and I'm like he's like I do love you I do love you yeah <laughs> and 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 it's both ways like same for you guys right like mm-hmm. you you guys are obviously committed love each other and all the, the wonderful things and you have each other's back but for whatever reason still want to prove it to each other all the time you know
2: yeah, or prove your funny. worth
3: or or make sure that he knows that you know that he knows that you know yeah. what I mean. Like it's one of those. Yeah, I still do it. I still do it. Yeah. I, I not as not nearly as chronically. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that growth for any of us always lies in the things that we find obviously the most uncomfortable. So for me, it was like leaning on my partner at times. I was like, well, here's my growth. Do I want to? No. Do I want to always be able to pull my own weight? absolutely but he has supported me through like several career changes and and he's like whatever you do it's gonna be great so don't worry about it kind of thing and to have someone care like that and and same same as you guys do for each other very supportive um it means everything to then be able to have that I say spiritual growth but it's growth as a human anywhere we're uncomfortable and then you go move in through that discomfort and come out the other side, like setting a boundary is uncomfortable and you come out the other side, like leaving a relationship that you shouldn't be in friendship. You shouldn't be in whatever a job. You shouldn't be in the other side is always like, Oh, yes. I did it. yes you know, it, is. it wasn't as bad as I made it out to be in my head or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's growth. So,
1: you know, was it hard for you in your
3: career to take a step back? Huge. Yeah. Worst. I put myself in the hospital to help yeah. other people first.
1: Was it because you were anticipating, like, this is something I need to do and that feels really scary and I won't be able to work as hard and my value and all of this that we've kind of talked about running through your head?
3: No, it was abandoning people and knowing how many people out there need help and and not factoring in the fact that I also needed it for myself. And that way we talk about that was at the beginning of COVID um, when that happened, like, you know, closer to the be- maybe a year in or something like that, um, when when the the poop really hit the fan right um and it wasn't until two years later when my dad died that I actually was like whoa full stop yeah done and then I sort of started to creep back into my old ways and then I found out that my my nephew passed suddenly and unexpectedly as well and it was just like okay no I really am at rock bottom here like as far as like being able to you know pour from that empty cup like it was empty and I was just like I have no choice now I, I had a choice before. It wasn't a good one. It wasn't a healthy one. But but it, this pushed me to a place where I realized, like, it's it has to be me time right now. I had no choice. So that's how I ended up making the choice, by not having one at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And what happened then?
3: Um, well, I'm still in the middle of it. Okay. Yeah. Um. Because it's only been, well, it's been 11 months since dad and whatever eight months since josh um but even you know how much i was able to give to my family who needed me you know i would i would give as much as i possibly could and then you know we have our own households to be concerned with and and, you know that sort of stuff came up too so it was a matter of kind of taking inventory really meticulously on my energy at all times and I give when I know I can give from a place that is actually peaceful and useful of myself, but also for anyone, be it a client, a friend, uh, a family, whoever. I want to be the person that's helping from a place that I would teach someone else to help from. Right that makes sense
1: it does and and so much of your work is giving of yourself Mm -hmm. giving of your energy Mm -hmm. can certainly see why that reservoir can be drained dry yeah and with tragic events happening in your life that's Mm -hmm. never expected and that's just like puncturing whatever's left in there
3: yep yeah till there was literally nothing and then I was just like okay I have to and it was just a matter of like the logistics of everything because I was like a one-man band so having to send the emails and cancel on people and stuff it was yeah. even then but i, I don't want to say this this is the wrong term but like it gave me a proper excuse to say i can't do this yeah mm-hmm. um which is in a lot of ways really sad that i had to have an excuse so extreme to take care of myself mm-hmm. it's very relatable yeah, yeah. And even I, you sending yeah.
1: the email like i have to have a reason to mm-hmm. say no yeah. like different circumstances of course but it's yep. the same, feels like kind of the same mental process. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I need to justify feeling this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When
3: did uh, psychedelics take a role in this healing? So I, I've always been a little more on the alternative side. I have utmost, you know, respect for traditional medicine, but I work in a wellness center. um, And I work with a a bunch of really talented practitioners and have friends who are really, really talented practitioners in in the city. And so I've always kind of relied on, you know, I'll go see the osteopath. I have a couple of naturopaths. I have, you know, whatever. And so when my father passed um, and it was unexpected and I found him, um, my body held on to that trauma and... It didn't matter how much I knew, didn't matter how much I knew about meditation and yoga and movement and all of the things that I know will help. Um, And then the double whammy, of course, of a few months later, learning about my nephew unexpectedly, my nervous system just got flipped on like a switch. And it didn't really matter how much of the good things that I was doing. I still felt um, almost wired, you know, and very jumpy and all of the things that scream, you know, that you're your fight or flight is turned on max and also stuck on. Mm. And so um, didn't really matter what I tried. Uh, and so I just kind of, well, <laughs> here comes a breadcrumb. Um, mm. A friend of mine actually, um, who's an osteopath, he's he's suggested that I reach out to a, a local, uh, a place locally that was doing psychedelic therapy. So that ended up um, happening really organically had a conversation with the doctor who, um, it's ketamine assisted therapy. So I had a conversation with her. She's incredibly well, um, educated. She's incredibly, uh, kind. Her energy is beautiful. She's just truly a wonderful person who's, who's kind of making change in a way that's not exactly, you know, she's traditional an MD as well. Right? Yeah, she is. Yeah. Um, did you and have to
1: get a referral to her? I did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't and mean I, to interject. I just no, want to make sure yeah, we're getting.
3: Yeah, I did get. So I went to my family doctor, okay. and I did ask for you know permission to, um, be referred for you know experiencing grief and and kind of going through a different modality of of, of processing grief and mm-hmm. stuff. And he was very much on board, which I was grateful for. Um. So that connection happened very organically, and, um. From what I understand, I'm not going about it in the most most orthodox of ways. I don't think because of the time and space in between sessions. But it's a it's 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 not a one and done. But it's also not a forever long thing. It's always meant to be like I think three to six sessions is the is the traditional way mm-hmm. of. Um, so I originally had gone and like most psychedelics experiences, you want to go in with a bit of clarity and intention. And my intention was basically like, you know, why is my body trapped on? Why is my nervous system stuck on? Why am I, you know, worried about everyone dying? Like it was obvious, right? But, but it also wasn't to my body. And so um, that first session gave me so much clarity, like so much clarity that I won't, I won't share any crazy amount of details here, but basically what I was shown was that as human beings, we are all cocooned, essentially, in this beautiful, loving energy. I could actually feel it when when I was in session. It was almost like a little dome around me and I could feel this visceral, real kind of energy around me. And I I did have that like single tear fallout. And I said, I wish everyone could feel this. If everyone could feel how safe and protected we are, how divinely loved we are, how how much, how however, whatever is looking out for us, no one would ever worry about anything ever again.
2: Mm.
3: And, you know, for like about three weeks after that, my nervous system was just like, I was like, I don't even feel, I don't even feel like myself, which was eye opening for one, because it's been such a long time since my nervous system was at least heightened, um, but not at not at that level that it got to. Um but I actually felt calm and peaceful and I was like, "Whoa, this is this is pretty wild. Unreal." Yeah, so I'm again, I'm just kind of following the breadcrumbs. I'm probably not doing it in the most traditional way, but you know, whatever my guidance system tells me as far as that experience or experiencing goes is what I've been doing. And the doctors very, you know, um supportive of how it's unraveling for me and very yeah on the ball with making sure that integration and all of those really important parts of it are done as well because you know that's that's half the battle as well having the support afterwards and being able to talk through it and support your your physical body and all of that stuff it was life-altering game-changing um probably one of the best experiences of my life as far as it's amazing
1: that that even Mm. is available i I used to do uh, Reiki healing and yep. was a massage therapist yep. back, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago now. And the the clients that would come in that were maybe a little bit reluctant to try something new, I was very honest about this may or may not work for you. Yep. But if it's your thing, how incredible that you have a thing. I don't expect it to look the same for everyone. Yep. So having this psychedelic tool available to you and it be so effective is mm-hmm. just so beautiful yeah. that this is what works for you that you
3: found something maybe amongst other things too but yeah. mostly that to be fair mostly yeah. like uh, my own spiritual beliefs and and to be honest I feel like that my beliefs as they are are pretty open mm-hmm. pretty liberal and that I feel that showed up for me because I'm so open right and um You know, I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Like, just like anything, the lack of control when your nervous Mm -hmm. system is jacked. first time. Yeah, yeah. all that stuff. But I was just like, in my gut, in my gut, I was like, no, no, this is for sure aligned. And and whether, you know, you want to say whoever, you know, like, I I believe my dad's looking after me big time. Like, Mm -hmm. he's definitely send me some... Signs, like earth shattering signs, like wild, loaves of bread,
1: like really cool (laughs) stuff.
3: So I I've always been a person to like look for signs and and follow them and stuff like that. So I do feel like I'm still being very much taken care of from the other side, whatever you want to call it. You know, Um, that's just, you know, who I am. And it might not work for everybody. Obviously, I wouldn't preach that to the masses, but it's certainly made a huge difference in my whole life and in this particular healing journey as well
0: i'm curious about the actual session itself mm-hmm. are you in a room with the the doctor yes. or some, someone assisting it yes mm-hmm. and are you speaking with them or do you yep. have like the music on and the eyes
3: um they're blindfolds encouraged yeah. definitely yep. would recommend <laughs> highly recommend mm-hmm. um there is music um, not necessarily with the headphones I think there that's kind of maybe a personal experience but there is music and it's actually really, really cool I'll have to maybe show, tell you a little bit about that afterwards. And yeah. It's a really interesting program that's a subscription based thing um, for like, psychedelic journeying um, and the music kind of had more of a factor for me this second session yeah, it was wildly helpful and guiding, mm-hmm. like really, really really cool. Um, blindfolded both times for me, um, I just, I don't know why you wouldn't. I don't I don't know if that's a mandatory thing, but it, it was my experience. And, you know, it's about two hours or so of pretty deep experiences, like pretty mind-expanding deep experiences. And the way that I kind of describe it is, um, if you had a good, like, I mean, I had a good idea of what was going on in my life. I had a good idea of why I was a bit of a worrier. I had, a, you know, I had... You know, done the, I've done the deep dives on work mm-hmm. myself for years, but it was almost like the snow globe got shaken and then mm-hmm. everything settled into order. And then not only did it help for me to understand more clearly, it also organized everything for me so that I had access to the information in a different way. So it's almost like a complete perspective shift in two hours.
1: How, How can we do this on our
3: own? With I would not recommend it.
1: I mean, no, I don't mean I don't mean <laughs> taking ketamine. <laughs> yeah. I mean naturally, without
3: the use of a psychedelic tool. Um, I would say yes. Just
0: intense breath work can get yep. you there.
3: Yeah, I've actually been dabbling with that myself. A little bit of like the holographic um, yeah. t- mm-hmm. breath work, and it is really cool, as well as um really deep meditations, like really long, intentional deep long meditations mm-hmm. daily mm-hmm. can also kind of rewire um i would say there's a long path and a short path yeah yeah and i think that that might be the difference and also you know if a person struggled with discipline this would probably be a little bit easier mm-hmm. for them i got to the pl- i'm a meditator i've been for years and years and years and after those um losses in my life my brain simply wouldn't let me and i was like i can't right not meditate like i'm that's a huge chunk of who i am. So, um that for me it was like fix it and fix it now, you know? Yes. Um and it absolutely did. Like the next day, i was meditating again. so, so fascinating. Yeah.
0: yeah. Can yeah. you talk about the second session? That's
3: <laughs> you- <laughs> it the second session because the first session was very like human level stuff. Um i wanted to know why the worry, you know, like process a little bit of of the losses and um and that sort of stuff, which was remarkable. The second session, because I was comfortable with the medicine and I was comfortable in the setting and I was comfortable with the doctor and all that stuff. um, I said, I think it's, you know, I'm I'm being a sensitive person, being a highly sensitive person means you're sensitive to everything. Like Mm -hmm. one glass of wine, one magnesium tablet, one, you know, like that. So that first session for me was like, I have to go very gently. And then the second session, because I had experience with it, I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. You know, I I I trust what's going on here. And, uh, I can only regurgitate what's been told to me. The the dose that I took doesn't exactly warrant the experience that I had, but <laughs> um, I left everything that had anything to do with earth and humans. <laughs> like, yeah. I was just like, um, I got to the place of where I can only describe as pure consciousness and what it's like to, it, it, the peace that it brought brought me peace because they at this place. Everything just is, there's absolutely nothing to figure out. And it's really easy to say those words, but it's something else to really understand what I mean when I say there's nothing to figure out. There's nothing to think about. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to fix. There's like, there's no what are we having for supper. There's no what's wrong with my physical body. There's There's nothing. There's nothing to figure out. Everything makes sense. Everything. And so I was like, wow, as a person who helps people figure things out for a living, yeah. you know, it was wildly peaceful Mm. whether that's everyone's perception i don't know but that was what i was shown was pure consciousness and so you know that it's a little bit hard to convey um i guess i would say journeying on the way out and then on the way back because i got to see everything on the way out and then everything on the way back and on my way back i actually was shown the concept of fear and how we perceive fear as human beings and how we use fear as human beings and the information kind of deposited at the time was we're getting it really, really wrong <laughs> like fear was always meant to be used as like a GPS like a guidance system as whatever like you're you know quote unquote off path or you're you know um something you need to move through in order to expand or but it was always meant as a tool whereas we use fear very very differently than a tool and we use it as something to stay small or we use it to to um you know, you know some would argue um, uh, the fear-based things in the world are to keep humanity smaller and and such like this. So, like, it kind of—we've kind of missed the point of fear, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And mm. so um, what those two things actually did for me was realize that I don't have to subscribe so deeply into the fears in my life, A, and B— If where we go when we aren't physical anymore is pure consciousness, where everything makes sense and you don't have to figure anything out. I had a very deep sense of peace and relief when it came to both of the losses in my life. So the second session was able to give me basically a ton of like mental freedom, I guess, if that's the way to to categorize such a large experience. Yeah, it's
1: incredible. And you've articulated it perfectly like cool. it it feels very, and I've heard people who have even claimed to pass over, even just for a period of time and come back that are able to deliver this message. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to what you've described in this you don't have to worry about anything, yeah, and we consume ourselves and worry. yeah. Have you been able to maintain that sense of peace?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's been that that second session for me, I I straight up told the doctor, I was like, I'm going to need a minute after this one. I am I I needed I wanted a lot of integration after this. And so um, I'm actually due to go back again this week. And it's been a number of weeks. And I, I feel, you know, my guidance at the end of the first session was, you know, you can do a little more next time you'll go a little farther. And this was whatever. I don't know who was commu- what or who was commu- maybe my own self, higher self, whatever you want to call it, was communicating that to me. At the end of the second session, it was, um, you went all the way out and now you have to go all the way in. And so for me, that feels kind of like a finishing move, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and so like, it's like a three and done for me kind of thing. I I will have to listen to my guidance at the end of that session, of course, but it's never meant to be ongoing treatment. It's meant very prescriptively and it's, you know, from what I've read and from what, cause I did quite a bit of reading up front and, and all that stuff, um. Very helpful for people with addictions, very helpful for people with PTSD, very helpful for chronic depression. And, and you know, like myself, with I had anxiousness. I had a jacked up nervous system, you yeah. know, like all of those things. Uh, and I can certainly speak to my experience, which was that it was very helpful for sure.
1: What was it like taking? How did you take the drug
3: first? Uh, there's two ways. Um, uh like a lozenge, okay. Was, I think you place it under your tongue. I yeah. I did anyway. There's a lozenge, and then there's intramuscular as well, which is a bit more of an exact dose, from what I understand. Okay, I was kind of guided to use the lozenge. Uh, again, it was just me being, <laughs> yeah,
1: cautious, cautious and, of my
3: lightweight self. But this um, speaks
1: to the question I I really have when you're. I should refer to it as medicine as well. When you're when you're taking the medicine, what experience did you have going from your conscious human brain like mm-hmm. I'm I've just put this in my mouth something's about to happen what was the period of time like between there and reaching this state of complete consciousness like
3: 10 minutes maybe okay were yeah, you so, afraid
1: were you aware that this well, was happening the first
3: session I was obsessed I was like it's dissolving under my tongue and I feel funny like I was right like, it can't be like I it's not even gone yet. You know, it mm. can't be. And she's like, nope, it's time to lay down. And I was like, what? Mm. You know, and then I was very obsessed with time. What time is it? How long has it been? Da, 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 da. Not vocalizing those things, but like the anxious brain wouldn't calm for a bit until I finally think maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And I said, I really have no concept of time. It, has it been a long time? And she's like, nope. And I was like, okay, it's not almost over. And then mm. I l- allowed myself to let go and then had all the beautiful experiences that I had. Okay. And then the second time I was just like, let's go giddy up. And then um, I would say, I think, while I was, no, I was, I was laying down, but I felt the whole room fill with love and compassion. Like I literally could feel that energy of love and compassion. I was like, whoa, we're in for, we're in for an experience here, folks. Because there were, there was someone in training as well. I was like, eh. the first session I was like, no, it just has to be me and you to the doctor. And the second session, there was someone who was training in being able to assist people through ketamine therapies. And I was like, I'm I'm glad you're here. Like I just felt very much so that there were supposed to be three people mm. in the room. Um, and then kind of just off I went and I would say, you know, like that was like five minutes mm. or so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah.
3: yeah. The second session was vastly different than the first. The first was all peaceful, all easy. The second session for me was a lot of integration afterwards. A lot of like needing to understand, talk through some things, journal mm. through some things. Um, you know, physically allow my body to come back into being a human again, like it it took a minute. <laughs> mm, I bet it did, yeah,
0: do you feel like it's the chemicals are changing in your brain, and it's just the uh, since you are i guess ingesting a type of medicine or drug i I guess uh, or do you feel like you're actually being transported to a different place?
3: yeah, you're the thing that I think is helpful i think with ketamine for my myself anyway is that there is still a connection to your body you are still very aware that you have a body mm-hmm. but um your body is so peaceful and so comfortable like it's the most comfortable you'll ever be you know um just very comfortable and so then you felt like a i'm being watched over b there's a medical professional c you know it was a very like controlled environment my body is happy it's comfortable i can go and then, because of that comfort, you just go wherever you're guided to go
0: but but, in like that second session, when you transported, like you said, mm-hmm. off earth, you feel like you actually went somewhere, yeah, like you were yeah. you were in another i, I guess dimension I really, or? yeah
3: Fun. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, like i i I don't it's really difficult to put words to things to be fair. Um and that's why I've said pure consciousness but like I was like it was the center of the universe the mm. edge like I don't know where I was but it was as far as you can go without probably sizzling your <laughs> sense of self I think. <laughs> yeah, I was just like wow that was a lot.
1: Okay, well cool. so many things are hard to describe if until you yeah. do it yourself yeah. or if you haven't been yeah. there but you're yeah. you're doing great. Yeah.
0: And part and, of the reason I'm asking is because I've heard people recently are trying to actually map out this other dimension that people, when they take psychedelics, go to yeah. and think that it may be this other, I like guess, dimension or realm. Dimension. Yeah, yeah, that people, and it was more people doing like ayahuasca and uh, DMT. Yeah. But uh, all, a lot of these people have the same experience. like They go to the same place. Yeah, and, that shocks me zero. And yeah. that's... And they see see the same beings. Mm -hmm. Like, you'd think if it was just a mental thing, like I was saying, the chemicals adjusting your brain, that everyone would have a uniquely individual thing. Right. But it seems like a lot of people are having the same experience doing things, and well, could be thousands of miles apart, different Yeah completely I've different heard, life experiences. I've heard. I can't
3: remember who told me this story. And I do believe you're right. It was DMT. Yeah. Um. And there was this person, I don't know this, there was nothing medical about this. So like, I'm definitely not recommending, but um, it was a, a fella that was like very experienced with DMT and his friend wanted to have the same experience. And uh, this gentleman had always seen this purple woman, apparently. And um, the friend, so he was assisting for his friend and the friend went to the sp- place and the purple woman came up to him and said your friend is awesome and he said to his friend whilst in the experience he said they really like you here and and then the friend replies yeah i know it's isn't it's lovely everybody loves you there they're like no they really like you here the purple woman said say hi for me and buddy Mm -hmm. like probably almost pooped his pants a little i think because it was like his personal experience and and, and, in a individual being i don't know what and I, that's the extent of what i know of that story so we can't go yeah. to the bank with it but yeah it was i was like you know what that doesn't surprise me you know
0: and this is Nothing stuff surprises that no me. Like, me neither <laughs> a lot of people might say is absolutely crazy yeah totally yeah and a lot of people think it's like 100 percent real yeah. and i think maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle who knows sure. uh, i mean but-
3: it's to what you believe it to be too right like I I I'm I'm with them I I I feel like it's probably pretty real (laughs) but I also am. I kind of pride myself on being very grounded you know because a a lot of spiritual people can be really ungrounded and then you know like I like science to tell me things like hypnotherapy works because and and yoga works because Mm. and you know come along and prove it to me with you know Stick my brain with things and eg's and, st- and tell me things. You know, like yeah. I, I'm I'm into that sort of thing because well, belief actually creates so much more of a product at the end if you're trying to do something. If if I tell you, you know, hold your breath for thirty seconds and you're going to be magically healed. You're, you're gonna be like no I'm not and then I'm like here's 15 studies that say if you hold your breath for 30 seconds you're gonna be you're probably gonna be more likely to be healed right so yes. i I do pride myself on being a little bit more grounded with that stuff but then you talk about the purple woman and I'm like yeah mm. I probably haven't <laughs> yes I probably haven't
0: <laughs> but like what is heaven too like, yeah whoa are all these things intertwined like it's it's yeah. it's all possible.
3: Yeah. Well, and a
1: lot of the people that may not believe the purple woman story believe, believe in, in heaven. heaven. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Just...
3: I am just such a big fan of whatever works for you. Yeah. Is correct. Yeah. As long as you are not hurting anyone, we're on the exact
1: same yeah. page. And I have to say, meeting you, I immediately sensed this balance in you.
2: Cool. Because yeah. I
1: have a past of very deeply rooted in the spiritual community, and I would say. My relationship with it shifted. Mm-hmm. I needed to bring in more logic. I needed to bring in more science for a number of reasons, mm-hmm. and have found myself kind of in this conflict even for a while, but have since kind of reached this it's okay to want both. Yep. It's okay that you represent both. Yep. We, so many parts of our world now are one or the other. Yeah. And, we don't live there. Like no. a lot of us don't. But as soon as you make a decision, if you claim to be spiritual, that means that you're anti science. Like, no, that's not the case. It I doesn't like have both. to be all or nothing. I yeah. like both. <laughs> and I just I sense that in you immediately. You yeah. you it, it gives trust in the work that you do. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, thanks. So what are you working on now? What cre-
3: are you writing? Are you have other projects coming out? Other um, services you
1: want to talk about?
3: I I I'm currently in a mastermind. I actually just got back from Austin, Texas with a friend who she's a friend. Now we, um, we met because of publishing, we got paired up totally universally like connected out these, this probably my biggest gift from actually taking that publishing course besides, you know, putting books out. <laughs> she's, she's a lovely person in my life. And we just got back from Texas cause she joined a course about, um, acquisitions, business acquisitions. So I'm like, well. Maybe I'll buy a business too. You know, like, who knows? I, again, it was a breadcrumb and I followed it. And um, awesome experience in that place that I didn't expect to have such an awesome experience. Austin's really cool. Um, So I'm looking at business acquisitions. Um, I'm I'm working with a broker now and um, I'm just going to see where that leads me. But I will pay attention to my core values. Mm. (laughs) Good
2: advice.
1: (laughs) Well, the breadcrumbs led you here today. I'm certainly grateful grateful for that. Yeah, it's been really cool to meet you. And maybe quickly, so you were introduced to us through a mutual friend, Cindy Wilcott. Yeah, Cindy's partner, Kyle, was a former guest on the podcast. Oh, cool. So, how did you meet Cindy?
3: Um, she actually helped me get into seed. Uh, okay. So when I, I I didn't share much of that a meeting part of my with them story. Yeah. Mm. Super I'll 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 talk to you afterwards. Okay. Um so um she was at Nova Scotia Works, um probably still is, and again like it was the weirdest coolest thing uh we clicked like instantly I was like oh my god I love everything about her she's so nice and she was like what do you do and she was like I'm fascinated and it was kind of she's like let me see what I can do to get you some help and and that was after um I, I grazed over this but there was like a pretty strange section of my life where I kind of left set a boundary and left a, a, a friendship that I that was no longer working for me um and that's when I kind of just like peaced out and went to Bali and like turned upside down and literally turned upside down and like shook it all out and then came home and I was like, okay, starting a business. And and I was doing it with her without help, but because I followed the grad program, I found Cindy and then she helped me. And then next thing you know, I have, you know, training and the next thing you know, I have a business and the next thing you know, I'm publishing and the next, you know, it was just one thing after the next. But that's, yeah, that's how she and I connected. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's Where can great.
0: people find your books?
3: On Amazon, actually, yeah, Yeah, on Amazon, yeah. All right, yeah. We'll put the the links up. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, pleasure to meet you, and great to hear all this amazing information. It's uh, stuff that I think will make a lot of people really just kind of question things in a good way.
1: I hope so. I hope so. Thanks for your honesty. No problem. Opening up today. This is just a fun chat. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) we're gonna keep you for a while longer. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Awesome. All right. Cheers, everyone. Thanks so much.
0: It is the introduction. introduction. <laughs> it is the <laughs>
1: introduction.
0: It's beautiful,
1: isn't it? Yeah. Especially it's really fun to harmonize. Well, I can't harmonize, but to oh. sing when you don't know what the song is.
2: Yeah.
1: I always found it a fun game to turn so if you're driving right now, and it maybe it's more fun if you have somebody with you to turn on the radio and sing as loud as possible to a song you've never heard before yeah yeah it's pretty funny
0: i bet it would be i'd love to hear you do that
1: yeah we can do it later
0: but you wouldn't do it
1: i'll do it with you will you
0: yeah i sing in front of you yeah but as loud as you can
1: i mean i do my best
0: we'll we'll do it
1: (laughs) that was like a deflated balloon (gasps) that's okay
0: i'm excited Mm -hmm. what else what do you have on the go
1: Uh, I've got a big painting sale happening right now, so Togetherland, my art gallery is closing down for the winter season, the end of the year, and making room for new creations to to come in in 2024, so I'd say 90% of my inventory is 50% off right now. Oh. So paintings and leggings, and I've got some opening hours posted on my social media, but certainly get in touch if there's something you're interested in, and we'll hook you up.
0: It's a big sale.
1: Big sale. Yeah, big things Exciting. coming up. Yeah. How about you? Getting ready for the holidays?
0: Holidays are around the corner. Mm-hmm. Lots of Lots of things in the works for the new year, and yeah, just... Uh, recording here getting the next single ready to be released and yeah still promoting the the first one in your head
1: great well we got lots on the go over the next few weeks and we'll be back before the christmas stuff happens to to check in with everyone and see you soon in the new year too
0: okay folks thanks for tuning in cheers bye